Oh, it's been. Oh, I just spilled all over myself. <laughs> oh shit! It was all over my crotch. That was cold. Welcome mm. to Sostin Austin and Podlander Drunk Cast Podcast. <laughs> I'm Allison. I'm Julie. And he's damp. <laughs> A little moist. A little moist. Ew. <laughs> Um, I was just saying before we started recording that I'm incredibly sleep deprived, so this is going to be a fun one. Um, Julie is making herself a beer mosa. I assume she's doing it on camera so that I can verify that she's not fucking it up the way her husband does. How does how does Neil fuck it up? He goes half and half. Allison says that's not the right ratio. It's what's, too much. What's the ratio? You're Two just adding color. Third. It's oh, like yeah. a mimosa. You're adding yeah. color. Yeah, you're right. Um, Neil doesn't do that right. See, look at that. Look how yeah. refreshing that looks. You That's can't perfect. see it. It's an aural medium. Um, is oh, that, it's delicious. Is that Miller Lite you've used, or is that yes. the champagne of beers? It's a fine Pilsner beer. It's a Miller mm. Lite. Okay. Okay. Uh, Janine and I are both drinking IPNA. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Oh, so tasty. So, so for today's episode, we'll be mm. talking about Pride and Prejudice, a new musical. God. Um, so how are you guys doing? Mm. Just with about, life. With life? Because I didn't want to answer that for the musical. Uh, good. I'm Fine. Just, I'm learning to, I started a, a Python course this, uh, this week. Uh, with the help of uh, Katie, she gave me some good resources. So thank you very much. Friend of the uh, show, Katie. Hi, Katie. What's up? Um, so yeah, it's been. I'm st- I'm in my summer mode where I don't have a class, but I'm oddly still very busy. So I feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jay? Uh, got some house guests coming this week, so we're getting prepared for that. That was good. Uh, Neil did a lot of house shit for me the last couple of days. Like we got a new shower caddy. He hung floating shelves in our living room. Fuck like yeah. That's Ooh. been like that's been like a couple months in the making. Oh yeah, the plants look awesome. I cannot. Oh, we have you have the plants up. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. The vines are obviously not where they will be, but I went ahead and purchased the antique gold hand thumbtacks for when the vines grow to have little hands all over the wall holding them. Oh, I love this so much. <laughs> uh, when we get done recording, you'll have to bring the laptop in there and show us because I sure want to see. Um, me, I, uh, just did a poetry marathon, so I wrote 24 poems in 24 hours and raised some money for the Chicago Black Drag Council, which was exciting, um, and I'm incredibly sleep deprived. Uh, they do, you are allowed to, you're not allowed to work ahead, but you are allowed to catch up, so I did go to sleep at, like, midnight and then I woke up again at three and then I went back to sleep. Well, actually, no, it was like one thirty, and then back to sleep and up again at three and then back to sleep and then up for like the last 90 minutes. And then I slept for another couple hours. Oh, my God. Well, on oh, Twitter, God I was. Damn it. <laughs> Ear, earphone plug. Oh. Um, on Twitter, I was trying to, like, I might be an old who doesn't get this, but I was trying to click through to actually read your poems. Is that something you can do? Because all I could see was the screenshot that you had done it. Yeah, it's, um, they're all marked as private right now okay, because I it. want to actually publish them. It's been a really Perfect. long time since I've gotten in the poetry game, but I was, uh, but I was very briefly a little bit of hot shit. 
but it was like 15 years ago. Oh. <laughs> I'm happy. I just, I just I'm happy it. you did it. Thank Me too. You. I just Thanks. saw a TikTok of a 90-year-old man who's been writing poetry, and he's he just writes it all, and no one will take his uh, his submissions. No, and so his grandson made a TikTok just saying he just wants comments. So he's going to read you a poem, like leave a comment about the poem, and I'm going to read that comment to him. It was very oh very sweet. Oh my god, that's sweet. Yeah, <laughs> and this guy very literally just writes po- poetry all day. He has this big table that's like stacked high, like taller than a person um, of poetry has been written. It was very a very sweet thing. Oh, so, that's so nice. That's cute. I want. Yeah, I want. I'm excited about your poetry. Are you saying I'm an old man? Well, I'm, it takes an old man to know an old man. <gasps> you know what? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Miss Tyra, was your barbecue canceled? Your grill is fucked. Um, uh, I'm an old man. So, uh, so Pride and Prejudice new musical. Here's the deal, friends. We watched this, and wait, mm-hmm. hold on. Before you get into it, you got to talk about the crowd cast ahead of it. Oh, that's what I'm doing right okay, now. Okay, perfect. Okay. And before we watched it, we did a little crowd cast of it, and no one came. <laughs> We should have known then. We oh. should have known no not to watch one it. Came. Um, that, so we, you we, know what? That's have... humbling. That was good. I think we all needed that. Yes. We've well, been know, feeling our oats lately. I think it was a pleasant reminder that sometimes no one comes to the crowd cast. But you know what we still did for 45 minutes? Did the crowd cast and entertained ourselves. So We, we entertained ourselves a lot. Thank you. Uh, the great secret of this podcast is you could all stop listening simultaneously and we would keep going because it's just fun. <laughs> it's just what we do. <laughs> like, it's just, we're just, what else would we do? Don't give away trade secrets. Damn. Okay, fair. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair, Julie. Um, so then we watched the first act of Pride and Prejudice, a new musical. <sighs> I'm going to tell you that I'm telling a story. This is a story. Um... And our reactions were what you might call mixed. However, as longtime lovers of, practitioners of, supporters of the theatrical arts, we didn't really have the heart to dunk on anything but the book and the score, which are admittedly pretty big deals. Um, but that motherfucker won a Tony, so I don't feel bad being like, nah, not for this, not for this. Oh. Not Thank for God. Not for this. What do you win a Tony for? I forgot. Jane Eyre? Yeah. Jane Eyre? Maybe he was nominated for a Tony. I don't remember. And I'm not looking it up because, frankly, I can't nah. be bothered. Um, what was his name? What's his name again? <gasps> um, uh, I have Here, it. I'll look I pull, it I'll well, look I pulled it. up the IMDb and now I can't find it. God damn it. Um, Julie, somebody, it's I got somewhere. it. You got it. You mm-hmm. got, guys, I'm so tired. Um, you got you. Great. So uh, we watched it. There we go. Now I've got it back up again. Pride and Prejudice, a new musical written by uh, Paul Gordon. Paul Gordon. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was produced at a, uh, a thriving regional theater in a community in California um, that's been around forever. You know, uh, it's in Palo Alto and good for them. I'm really glad for them. Um, but the thing about not wanting to dunk on people who are just doing their jobs and it's not their fault that then somebody put it up on Amazon Prime for everyone to see, uh, 
is that then you don't have anything to talk about. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our, our broad reactions to the adaptation specifically, because that is our beat. Uh, I'm going to say a blanket statement that we thought that all of the performers were pretty good. The guy who played Darcy, when given the opportunity, was funny, which is what it should have been instead of whatever the hell it was. That acoustic guitar, I laughed so hard. Um, <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, I made, I laughed so hard. Um, the Lady Catherine was excellent. Mm -hmm. Love, I love a good Lady Catherine. Um, but... Uh, there isn't a way for us to dive deep on this one without um, three out of five. We get it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the we... The actors took a lot of direction, and they did their jobs. And every yes. single one of them did their job very well for what they were given. They sounded great. Mm -hmm. um, they were obviously delivering what was required on mm -hmm. the page. Um but as we were watching it, I kept yelling things like, Charlotte Lucas would never say that! Yes. Or, um, that's a fundamental misinterpretation of the text! Like that. Uh, yep. Which, I mean, I know that you all come here for the trenchant literary analysis, but... What? But... <laughs> um, and we are going to talk about some of that, because I still have a bee in my bonnet. Uh, but, but we're going to keep it brief, and then we're just going to talk about other things. And also, I have some questions for the two of you about um, how it might have been improved. Uh, however, there's a, there's a third act that the two of you don't know about, which is that when we watched the first act of Pride and Prejudice New Musical and then fast forwarded to what we assumed was going to be a barn burner of a Lady Catherine song in act two, which was then a Lizzie reprise. <laughs> oh God, the reprise. I was so mad. I was um, mad too. Uh, I promised that as people who are just fine with musicals at the best of times, sometimes they like them, but mostly it's just like they're fine. Uh, I was not going to make Julie and Janine watch Act 2, and I swore a solemn oath that I would watch Act 2 for them and attempt to recap it. Um, I put it off for what I assume are obvious reasons, um, because I love life. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I want—I wish to, I had my fan because that was us. <laughs> I want was, to wow. experience joy, um, so Ooh. I put it off. And this morning, after writing twenty-four poems in twenty-four hours, I took my sleep-deprived ass to the couch. I pulled up *Pride and Prejudice* new musical to watch Act Two because I love you and I'm a woman of my word. And you know what? It's not free anymore. <gasps> So I didn't. I couldn't. That was it. That was the straw Absolutely that broke the camel's back. Not. I was not going to spend. I'm not going to spend five dollars on Pride and Prejudice new musical just to watch Act Two when then we were only going to dunk on it, and not even really dunk on it because no. I just don't have the heart to dunk on it. It's like it would be like if you went to see a high school production of Our Town and then you were like, Thornton Wilder would never. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. it's and it's that's not quite fair. These are grown adults. They're professionals. They have IMDb pages and careers, and it's a five hundred one c three with a large budget. It's not a high school production of Our Town, but it's also not Kira Knightley playing Lizzie Bennet. There, it's a there's mm -hmm. a difference in. And there's, it would feel more like punching down than it actually is. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, none of us have any interest in that. Um, so, in short, those of you who think we're too rough on Outlander, 
Um, all you have to do is find a good high school production and we'll be fine. Um, <laughs> then, we'll, then we will love everything. But we're going to dunk hard on the book, right? And the story? Yes. The adaptation good. was yeah. trash. Good, because um, I don't... I'm, no punches pulled there. No. Well, I mean that. It's And it's not... Um, it's also... I will say this one caveat just as like a thing to consider is that uh, theater on film is really hard to do well. That's true. Um, so it is possible that in the room this would have played differently for us. I don't think dramatically differently, but if I had to bet, I would guess that had we seen it live, we would have liked it more. Um, I don't think we would have loved it. I think we would have had the same issues, but I think our response would have been more mm, even-handed. Um, of course, our response also would have been more even-handed if you all hadn't abandoned us <laughs> uh, <laughs> to, to watch no. it by ourselves. But wasn't the deal, though, that a whole bunch of Slack fam had watched it already, and mm -hmm. then when nobody showed up for the crowdcast, we didn't take that as the warning that it so clearly was? <laughs> I will say, I'll say that for a theater piece put on film, it's actually done really well from a tactical perspective. Well, yes, cinematically, it's done really well. Yeah. But there's more to it than that. There's, I, you can read my thoughts on this at the AV Club and a couple of pieces that I've written for them. But um, basically, <laughs> if all you're doing is a well-made archival recording, that's fine. Just know that what you're seeing is a more expensive version of when you bought the VHS when you did Annie, right? Yeah. Or like you worked with the Missoula Children's Theater and your payment was you got a VHS of just your scenes. Oh my God. Or something. Well, that just gave me goosebumps because that is too real. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, uh, it's it, so yes, technically very well made. But there are examples that are on uh, high, things like if you've seen the Hamilton theatrical film on Disney Plus, um, that there's a lot of on stage camera work. They do a bunch of different perspectives. Yeah. Um, they didn't uh, go that they didn't go that depth in depth. David that. Burns, American yeah. Utopia, if you haven't seen that, for the it's love so of God, it's incredible. Yeah, it's so good. Um Heidi Shrek's What the Constitution Means to Me. These are all very recent, like in the last year and a half. Yeah. Um I had an OG one. The, the Sweeney Todd with Angela oh, yeah. Lansbury. Even though it is more of kind of like the archival thing, there's just something about the way that they put it together and edited it that kind of yes. makes it stand out. And that's a long, that's like 30 years ago. The same yeah. is true. I mean, gr this is because Great Performances is an incredible resource. So there's been mm -hmm. an incentive for Broadway productions, for West End productions, for really successful regional productions to make sure that they're committed to um, excellent archival recordings that allow you to appreciate the performances up close um, mm. because PBS is out there sh showing the world. Um, mm. Into the Woods is one that I watched over oh and over when I, I don't was even like musicals, but I've seen that Into the Woods like four times. It's so good. It's mm. uh, Bernadette Peters just straight killing oh, it. Joanna God, Gleason, so that like everybody. It's so good. Um, there's another lane into which this falls, uh, into which these sort of fall, which is when instead of attempting to recreate a full stage production, you just do a concert version, which means it's basically all score and performance and some light scene work. There was a really good concert version of Company that Stephen Colbert was in a few years ago. Um, 
Famously, there are multiple concert versions of Les Mis that involve the Dreamcast. So they'll take some of the best people from the international productions and put them together, and those are thrilling. Mm. Um, this is well shot, uh, but but not from a uh, storytelling perspective, not yeah. well directed. And it's it hard to tell. Flat. Yes. Flat. It's, it's a three-camera setup for sure. Just yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And Catch I think it. that the, that some of that is just that the stage direction is also not great. Not terrible, but not yeah. great. Every time poor Mary had to walk on stage and say, <gasps> The Bennett's Kitchen! I forgot about that. The drawing oh. room at God. Netherfield Park! I'm like, we don't need this. We don't need this. Context clues, please. Please, the unkindest cut of all, Mary. You had to give it to Mary. Wasn't it? You couldn't just split it between Mary and Charlotte and then both of the people. What about Kitty? Yeah, where yeah. the fuck is where Kitty? Where Kitty at? Is this another Kitty erasure? Kitty erasure. I, uh, yes. I have, <laughs> I have a, th- I have a very, uh, I made a note of something. I, I don't, I, I feel awkward about this because as I was watching this show, this is a casting thing. Okay. Um, Kitty. And one of the uh, men roles who were very, who didn't have a lot of lines, they were the only people of color in the Mm. show. Mm. And that felt very odd to me. Like, I was like, Kitty has nothing to do in this show. And then it was, who was the gentleman? He was the uh, the Asian actor. Uh, I forget which he was. Was he Fitzwilliam? Fitzwilliam. And he had that one bit. That was it. And those, everybody else was white. And I felt very odd about watching that and going, oh, these two roles don't have a lot to do here. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't watch Act 2, which is when Fitzwilliam really comes into I it. guess that is a good point. Yeah. But Kitty never has anything to do, and that pisses me off. Because yeah. Kitty and Lydia should always be joined at the hip, and they, she, Kitty should be a reflection of Lydia's youth and impetuousness. Like, yeah. it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be kind of a cloud of... Little girl, right? Yeah. And Kitty is weirdly never used correctly. It's like walking into a cloud of gnats, but people. Yeah. It should feel like that, and Kitty should be part of it. Part of it. And she is never part of it in these things that we watch. She's part of it in the BBC PP. But, like, I've got great news for you, too, because Kitty is definitely part of it in uh, in our next PP. Oh. Mm. Good. Because I'm tired of this fucking Kitty erasure. Yeah. Yeah. Kitty is a valid character. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Let's get her in there. She, there's a reason why she's there. Yeah. Because it's not impressive enough to only have four daughters and no husbands. We got to have five. Kitty plays a not insignificant role in a lot of the Pride and Prejudice variations and retellings and unofficial sequels that I've been reading. Mm-hmm. Um, she's constantly getting married to She's constantly getting married to someone. So... Mm-hmm. Does it so feel like, that. Is, is that possible because there's so much room for growth in those adaptations and expansions? Well, I think that Kitty? part of it is that the book, bu- part of it is that the book ends um, with Austin telling us that Kitty improved greatly when away from Lydia and away from her mother. And she spent a lot of time with Lizzie and with Jane and her, mm. her character improved and her temper improved. It's like, what's her name from uh, Downton Abbey? The redhead, Edna, whatever. The one that, oh. like, learned a new life when she left the manor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, so Kitty, she, you can't keep him on the farm. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can't keep him on the farm. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you who plays Kitty in the Joe Wright PP, but you'll be excited. Okay. Um, So, yeah, Kitty Erasure. Uh, I want to talk about the Darcy problem for, okay, no, my first, my first quibble right off the bat um, is uh, Lizzie's triumphant ballad about being headstrong. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's like, it's like he reached into a Pride and Prejudice magnetic poetry box <laughs> and, and pulled out <laughs> a word and then that I'm headstrong, I'm headstrong. No. Women who have opinions do not refer to themselves as headstrong. Is she trying to reflect what people say about her? Maybe it didn't come across. Also, now that you've said the thing about the magnetic poetry, and since you're so primed right now after the last 24 hours, (laughs) Allison, I'm going to need you to write, just right now, like, Eight words, whatever. You reach into the little bag, your crown crown royal bag, because that's where you keep these magnets. And you pull out eight and put them on your fridge right now. What's your eight word, (laughs) or around there, fridge poem for this song? Oh, for this song specifically? Yes. I thought you were going to say... Because this is the one that pissed us off the most. This was the Lizzie song that made us so mad. Um, let's see. Eight words. Okay. Or around there. No, I got it. Yeah. It's it's a very handy magnetic poetry kit because it has whatever I want in it. Yes, perfect. So, headstrong, 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 obstinate, headstrong girl. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, thank you. Send my Pulitzer at your earliest convenience. Oh, it was so, st- it was dumb. It I was just... just- it weakened her. It, it weakened did. Lizzie it's, from the very beginning. When somebody has to tell you who they are, odds are they don't actually believe it. And mm. Lizzie never fucking needs to tell us who she is. She tells us who she was when she learns more about herself. And she tells us things she doesn't like about herself. But she also likes herself. And she, she likes herself less than we like her because Lizzie fucking rules. Right? So, so when she's saying like... Me, I'm so stubborn. This is my song about being stubborn. It doesn't work at all. Those are supposed to be I want songs, not I am songs. There's a great example in the actually really excellent musical adaptation of Little Women uh, when Joe March's big song at the end of Act One um, is called Astonishing. And at the beginning, you're like, "Mm, oh, this is, there's going to be so much tinkly glockenspiel and this astonishing and then it's (laughs) wonderful it's so good because it's about a desire to to be bigger to feel more to do more to break out of the bounds in which you exist and I feel like this is what that was going for but it wasn't about like it wasn't a Lizzie, I don't think I'm ever going to get married song because I want more for myself. It was a Lizzie, I'm headstrong. <laughs> I will say, I do remember that part of it. Or maybe I don't. Who knows? I didn't watch it today. <sighs> <laughs> it was I don't like it. It's, it's a, uh, I don't want to call it an insult to the source material. 
Yeah, I do. You can. <laughs> it was. It's an insult to the source yeah. material to have our lead character, who is one of the greatest heroines of canon white classic literature, come out and just sing this kind of dumb and pointless thing. Like, why? It, unnecessary. And when it started, Allison and I, and Aaron, too, we were all like, ugh. And this was at the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... Uh... I am. If you had asked me what the, if you had asked me to predict what the first song in Pride and Prejudice new musical was going to be called, I would have instantly said something like, um, "Must be in want of a wife," right? Like some big, catchy opening number with Mrs. Bennett freaking out about how Netherfield Park is let it last, and Lizzie offering running commentary to her sisters, not to us, because that's another thing, folks. Uh, Lizzie Bennett narrates Pride and Prejudice to us. To us. To us. Double thumbs down. Double thumbs down. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't, and it's not because Lizzie doesn't narrate Pride and Prejudice. It's because Lizzie is supposed to be learning and changing, not telling us things that have already happened. Yes. So, but I still sort of, I mean, maybe I should be writing Pride and Prejudice, a new, new musical, because the, I just, I was assuming, like, Mrs. Bennett swooping around and Mr. Bennett throwing in lines and mostly being bored, and then there's Lizzie saying, like, because a, uh, Young man of good fortune must be in want of a wife. Like, some fun thing. And instead it was not that. And I feel like at every opportunity, almost every opportunity, it was not that. Um, There's one moment where I was like, ding, 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 ding. That. And it was the moment when Darcy... (laughs) When Darcy first actively played like, wow, I've been struck with Cupid's, Cupid's arrow. And we got that acoustic guitar... Mm-hmm. That made me laugh so hard. That was really good. Because the idea of Darcy being Darcy, and then all of a sudden he's like, whoa, 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 wait, oh, what is this feeling? Sorry, that's a wicked joke. I hate wicked. I don't know why I made that. Um, anyway, it, it, it doesn't make, it, uh, it's, it's one, one, one comment you had about Darcy, too, is that he sung too early. Oh, like, yeah, way too yes. early. Yes. Way too yes. early. Like, there needs to, like, acoustic guitar and sure, fine, like, all that, but, like, he shouldn't have sung until Well, that should have been the first, the first time that he When sang. he realized he was in love with her should have been the first yeah. time he sang. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Darcy's whole, the whole point of him, oh, my God, here we go, soapbox. It just crept up. It, it, there's a soapbox in my house. We don't keep it kenneled or anything. It crawled underneath <laughs> my feet. I need you to know that even though I'm sitting in a chair, I'm on a soapbox. Um... <laughs> The whole point of musicals is that the reason for the music is that it expresses emotions that are too big for text alone to convey. Um, Lots of epic poets over the years would beg to differ that music is necessary. I think that they are very different art forms and that musical theater takes the things, the sort of... um, like big charged pauses and the subtext, the really rich subtext that you find in, I don't know, Chekhov or whatever, and puts it into song. That doesn't mean that what you're explaining is all of your subtext, but it does sort of explode out of you. And that's the, even when it's quiet and little, it explodes out of you. Um, And Darcy, it was such a natural opportunity for that to happen because he's so recalcitrant. He's so internal. 
Good nice. word. Good word. She's been writing poetry for 24 <laughs> hours. Jesus. I didn't use wow. the word recalcitrant. I did, however, write a poem to Stephen Moffat, the former showrunner of Doctor Who. I'm really <laughs> tired, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm really but tired. Yeah. But yeah, Darcy is uh, recalcitrant. He is. He's. Uh, he's. Stand- nice try, bud. He's. Sta- I know. I fucked it. He's standoffish. <laughs> he um, is withdrawn. He's reserved. He's all of those things. Um, reserved as one of the the unkindest cuts that Jane Austen has. I've said unkindest cuts twice in this episode. Who the fuck do I think I am? It's. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the gravest insults that Jane Austen likes to toss out. Uh, because the people who are reserved are usually not also buttholes. Um, her buttholes are more exuberant. The mm-hmm. it's Miss uh, Bennett, it, Mrs. Bennett, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas <laughs> these buttholes are more flatulent. Yeah, these these buttholes have more to say. Yes, yeah, much more. Um, whereas in Sense and Sensibility, there's a big fight that Marianne and Eleanor have when Marianne accuses Eleanor of being reserved, and it's a it's a big deal because it means that she's not being open and honest and sharing her feelings. And of course, the whole point of that book is that Marianne overcorrects. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. I can't wait. The uh, the thing with Darcy just singing is that he wouldn't because he wasn't yes. feeling the maybe yes. I would allow some teeny tiny quiet neurotic song about how he hates parties. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. But it has to be like one of those little like maybe inserted his little part in a bigger song about the ball at Netherfield. Like or, just boop. Or like a, a bit of spoken word that has some weird like uh, harmony at the end. That like goes, like kind of pops out of him, you know. But uh, he doesn't need to sing his emotions until he falls in love with her. So the fact that this adaptation had him singing before any of that was, in uh, my opinion, wrong. This is <laughs> this is what it should have been. Uh, I apologize <laughs> to those of you who aren't going to get this reference, but it's too it's too good. It should have been that Darcy is standing and there is very, you know, it's like a quadrille is playing or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's just standing very formally. And Lizzie, like, makes a face at him because he, she doesn't want to dance with him. And she scampers away. And then all of a sudden we hear, like, ding, 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 ding. And then he goes, unfortunately, I want to have sex with you. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe you lost some weight. Um, some and you're now on the top of my to-do list. The, uh, that is an excellent Ed Sheeran parody from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Look it up. <laughs> Nate, Nate sang that, right? Um, Nathan? Yes, Nathaniel. Uh, yeah. That, um, fuck it, that what song was hilarious. It's called uh, Let's Have Intercourse. Um, and it, it contains one of the best lyrics of the 21st century, which is, I won't be back to normal till I see what your nipples look like. They're probably straightforward nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That I would accept from Darcy. Yeah. He's standing at the party. He's just He just wants to drink his port and eat his white soup. And then all of a sudden, this girl walks up and is like, nah, thanks. And then he's like, that's heavy. And of course, I want to see what your nipples look like. The probably straightforward nipples. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. Yeah. That, you know what? The entire musical fixed. Yeah. Yeah. I five out of five would watch. Five out of five. None of that. Three out of five. <laughs> Darcy, we get it. Five out of five. Side tangent. Is Nathaniel Darcy in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? 
I got to say. Thank the you minute for, you said that, I was like, holy crap. Thank you for listening to Sausage Austin. This is our final episode. We have <laughs> nothing more to say. That's the best observation any of us is going to make. Um, we've t- Julie just capped us off. That's it. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, no, that's really great. It's um, it's it's a little, uh, uh, to use the parlance of the show, it's more nuanced than that. But he does, he if, especially at the beginning when they have, when they're against each other, they it's a very clear parallel to me. And I don't know why I never realized it until just now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it is, the situation is a lot more nuanced than that, but it's, mm-hmm. but that's true. That, mm-hmm. That's a very good observation. Um, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk, let's air some of our other grievances okay. about the adaptation. I want to talk about Lady Catherine cause we've alluded to this already and wow, I really got to be in my bonnet about this, but my bonnet, 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 bonnet. No. I don't remember enough to have a bee in my bonnet. I remember that maybe they used her weirdly in the first act when they shouldn't have. Was that, is that your, tell us about the bee. They they visited her, which we saw that part where like Mm -hmm. she first, they first meet her. And And when she does, that happened where it happens in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was, it was, that was a good scene. Like Lady Catherine was, there was this nice, like, um, um, there was this like cool, the servants in the background were like, there was a nice interplay between her and the, and the Lady Catherine, which was nice. Mm. Uh, Yeah. I'm remembering the servants now. I, I think it, my issue was that I really liked the first Lady Catherine number because they used the ensemble well and, Mm -hmm. um, and it had like a, like a very, 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 very light uh, King George and Hamilton yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, l- very light. Not on the same level at all. Nowhere near as funny. But it had that kind of energy. But then when she comes back in Act 2, wh- I, there... There is, I think I made this joke when we were talking about it on Crowdcast to no one at all. The, there's a famous song again from Les Mis. Um, the confrontation for the, for the, the Cosette heads out there. The fan teens. Oh my God, you go to hell. <laughs> Allison, you, you need to stop get, recording right now. This you, is over. You need I to get win. some sleep, Allison. <gasps> no, oh I'm God. sorry. That is an excellent Les Mis joke. That is not a sleep deprived Les Mis joke. That's an excellent Les Mis joke. Ugh. Um, somebody out there appreciates this joke. It's just not the two of you. <laughs> I mean, I get the joke. I'm sure I... you do, but listen, until you have ridden your bike from your home to the Granville shopping mall for your afternoon theater class in eighth grade, singing Les Mis to yourself without a tape recorder the entire time because you have the entire score memorized. <laughs> you don't know whether or not it's a good Les Mis joke. You know what? You're right. I retract my <laughs> bitch. Statement. Uh, tell me quickly, what's the story? So the song is the confrontation, um, uh, and it's a big there. And there, it's one of the refrains that repeats throughout the show. It's a big Valjean Javert duet that you hear over and over and over again, um, and it is great. And there has never been a better opportunity in all of literature for a song like that than Lady Catherine and Lizzie because it is a battle of wills. So Lady Catherine explodes and Lizzie holds the line and Lady Catherine explodes and Lizzie holds the line. And that's the whole, I mean, it's 
Austin loved theater, and you can tell sometimes in the scenes that she writes because they have that sort of inherent theatricality, and that's one of them. You know exactly what that scene is going to look like, and it's why that scene, in almost every adaptation, even the bad ones, is still really good. Think about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and how good the Lady Catherine scene is because it's just it's like it's like the Mr. Collins proposal scene. It you, it's just so theatrical that you know it's going to work. And here it turned into another opportunity for Liz, Lizzie to tell us who she is Ugh. and not what she wants. And it certainly wasn't a confrontation. And that really bumps me out. I, I just, it's, it seems to me to betray a, like I said earlier, fundamental in- misunderstanding of the story and what yeah. it is that makes the story interesting. Because yes, we love Lizzie and Darcy, but mostly we love Lizzie. We love Darcy because he loves Lizzie and also because he's a snack, but (laughs) because he loves Lizzie. So it has to be about her journey, not her list of adjectives. How dare. That's strong. (laughs) I wish I had a gavel. Yeah. (laughs) Case dismissed. Hold on. Let me take this alpaca that doesn't glow anymore and go. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks. The soapbox just ran away. I scared it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it bummed me out. Uh, I wish I could tell you more things in Act Two, but I but I wasn't gonna pay for something only to dunk on it. No, you're good. I think you're good. I I don't. Yeah. I think that generally speaking, overall, we just felt that the adaptation was not great. Yeah, the way that they took the source material and tried to translate it was not awesome. And because we just watched something before that that was so good at that particular thing, Bride and Prejudice, yeah. mm-hmm. it just suffered greatly in comparison. Yes. I and think so, uh, somehow both, inexplicably, both Pride and Prejudice very explicably, but also Wishbone do a yes. better job of adapting Pride and Prejudice than Pride and Prejudice New Musical does because they understand the nuggets at the core of it. I think what's also a little upsetting about uh, Paul Gordon on this is that this is not his first adaptation of a Jane Austen novel for a musical. Like, he's lived in this before, and, like, to have such a bad take. Does it... Well, then that raises the question, and I must ask, because um, as you guys know and as probably our listeners know i'm not the biggest fan of musical theater like i can i can get with it and i understand how it works i mean i've seen enough to know but it's not my favorite does this mean that this guy because he had done other adaptations knows or thinks he knows what people need to see in a musical and that doesn't necessarily fit with a good adaptation of this story you know I don't know about that, but you did just sort of unlock a little tiny door in my brain, which is I think maybe you can best describe the problem with this as Paul Gordon adapting Pride and Prejudice the way he assumes women want to see it. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not as a story. Mm-hmm. Like I felt very pandered to. Yes. He's he's uh, his other two adaptations are Sense and Sensibility, which was done in Chicago, uh, and then he's done Emma, 
Okay. Well, it'll whether or not we watch those will depend on whether or not there are archival recordings. And for all I know, maybe they are, and it will be great. Um, Look at his face. He already knows. Uh, Streaming. Uh, Yep, Uh, Emma's streaming. Emma is a streaming one. Here's my prediction for Emma. Okay, yes, let's do it. If we do, since Emma's going to be our next uh, novel that we're looking at, my prediction is for Emma, a new musical. Let's just say that's what it's called because I'm not putting it past him. Um, The scene with the, oh God, I forgot the character's name. The picnic scene. Mrs. Elton? Thank you. The scene with Mrs. Elton will not be what it's supposed to be. So you're talking about when Emma um, drags her hard in front of everybody. Well, and that's, and really... then that's not. It's Mrs. Elton's party, but it's not Mrs. Elton. Yes, yes. It's I know the... what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's. I don't. I don't want to spoil it for Janine. Sense okay. of Sensibility is also streaming. We have the opportunity to watch. No life, but without life. See, I just got refilled with joy just <laughs> thinking about that for one second. Yeah. Oh God, how bad? Bad. 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 Um, so here is my question. Uh, I want. Weird. I want to know if you were going to pitch one musical number for a different Pride and Prejudice musical, you get one, what would it be? Mary singing something like Creep by Radiohead. <laughs> that's fucking, that's good. That's good. Oh, that's good. Um, just gets, out of nowhere. She gets just a, like a dirge after Charlotte <laughs> Lucas gets engaged like, to Mr. Collins. Oh my God, I've got it. So Charlotte Lucas gets engaged. She picks up the slack on the Collins tip. Then we're in the sitting room at Longbourn and all the girls are there. And Mary is in the corner, as always, with her fucking Bible sampler doing a little needlework. News comes in. Everybody freaks out. Freeze. Spotlight on Mary. (laughs) And then. (laughs) Really good to know you. When you're not around. And she's like all by herself. Oh my God, yes. That's mine. Great. Great. Uh, A plus. What about you, Janine? Um, Kitty would get an opportunity to sing Mr. Cellophane. <gasps> that is also very good. That's also very good. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> it explains Kitty erasure. Yeah. <laughs> can't even see her. <laughs> I love that song. All I right. love that song from Chicago. Mine is... Uh, that Mr. Collins gets a Gilbert and Sullivan style patter song about how many windows Netherfield Park has. Oh! <laughs> Not Netherfield Park. I misspoke. Rosings. Rosings Park. Rosings. How dare I? <laughs> Rosings. But yes. There's 20 yes. on the top floor and there's 30 in the basement. Like that. <laughs> like I mean, not that obviously because basements weren't a thing. But you get me. There'd be yes, and there'd be some be refrain awesome. about how many shelves are in a closet. Oh yes, mm-hmm. and there would have to be because there would be a little reprise. Yeah. So he would sing that at the dinner table, right? Mm. Like Mrs. Bennett asks about Lady Catherine, and then he has a whole long, long, long exuberant. Maybe he stands on the table at one point. He certainly gestures exuberantly and hits a servant, and an entire tureen of soup goes like <laughs> flying over his shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of that. And then when they get to 
uh, Rosings, when they arrive at Rosings, um, before they go into the parsonage, he sings a big welcome song, like a slower, very grand version about how great Rosings Park is. And then they go into the um, parsonage, and then he sings a little tiny fast version about the shelves in the closet. Yes. <laughs> I'm available. Um, <laughs> if you're a theatrical producer, I don't write music. I do write lyrics. So find a good composer, and oh, I got God. you. Um, we'll, we'll take all the Tonys. <laughs> all the Tonys. Um, okay, oh, so I, I think that's going to do it for us on Pride and Prejudice, a new musical. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, we also had one other small quib. Uh, the dance they were doing was uh, the waltz. Oh, yes, oh, they yes. were waltzing. Oh, my God. Yeah. They were touching each other fully bodily and not right. Yeah. That I'm sorry. Shitty. They were not at all, Max. They would not have been waltzing yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was scandalous. Mm-hmm. You know who would have known that? You know who would have saved them from that mistake? Jeannie hmm. Simpson. Yes. yes. God damn it. She taught a dog to dance, motherfuckers. The correct dance. The correct, the correct dance. dance. She knows like the, what's up. The three things he knew how to do, and she made it fit. She made it happen. <laughs> I'm he not ju- I mean, I don't get me wrong. I am very proud of our Wishbone series, and part of the reason that I'm so proud of it is because it is so absurd. However, <laughs> I mean it sincerely when I say that I think the Wishbone adaptation is better than Pride and Prejudice New Musical. Agreed. It Agreed. is truer to the spirit of the book. There is not one thing in Pride and Prejudice a New Musical as emotionally honest as Mr. Wickham going, and now I'm poor. <laughs> Not one. No one. Oh, what a scene. Unfortunately, I want to have sex with you. <laughs> um, so so that's oh. that. And I don't feel bad about this episode being a little brief, although it turns out it's not quite as brief. So so we always be. think it's going to be, and then it never is, because we can't shut our fucking mouth. But we are going to clock in in under an hour into this one, so you're welcome. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I feel Knock better about one. it, because we're about to have a big series um, because we're coming up, there's going to be a second PP segment, and that one's going to be, at some point, there's always going to be more Pride and Prejudice adaptations, but there are also some we haven't seen. There's a 1980 TV movie that has, that was made in the UK that's acclaimed. There's um, uh, a 2003 contemporary adaptation. Uh, there's obviously the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. There is a, I think, a German one. So there are still things to watch. But we all need a little break. I, w- I will tell you for free, listeners, um, Ju- Julie and Janine came to me um, like they had had a secret meeting <laughs> to discuss. And I don't think they did, but if you did, that's no. even better. To discuss... Um, whether or not they were going to lose their minds if they watched one more adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And they both very kindly said, can we please switch? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're switching. Yay. Uh, and after we do this next PP, we're moving on to Emma. But we are going to close out In Pride and Prejudice Volume 1 with the other big tentpole PP, which is Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice starring Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadgian, um, which is for a lot of people, their PP. PP. It's not my PP, but it may be yours. This it might be my... either of yours. I would be. This, this, this was my first PP. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 
Uh, and I've never seen it, so I'm kind of excited about it. The, I will tell you, I'll give you some little hints. Great cast. Great cast. You're going to love the cast. Um, great costume designs. McFadden hot. Those are my teasers. Okay. Um, but we're going to be on this one for a while because there's a lot to talk about. So we'll talk about the costumes. We're going to talk about the adaptation. We're obviously going to talk about the movie. We're going to talk to other people about their reaction to it. We're going to talk about why everyone's so mean to Kira Knightley because I don't understand it. We're going to talk about Agreed. all kinds of things. Um, and I'm very excited about that. Julie, look, I'm not going to make you do what we did with Janine and have you try to predict because you know the story, so it wouldn't be useful. Yeah. However, I do. I want you to tell me what you think it's going to be like. Give me a. Give me just a little glimpse of of your predictions for Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. I think it's going to feel a little bit more like a Bronte book. Mm. <clears throat> it's going to be a little bit more atmospheric. It's going to be a little more goth, frankly, like mist and fog and shit. I feel I feel like it's not going to be as bright and like shiny as the A and E A and E PBC Nemesis. I think it's going to be a little bit more subdued. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is only based on images that I've seen from it that kind of just show a darker, neutral color palette. Like it just looks rainier, for lack of a better term. There are some very uh, famous scenes in the movie that where there's a lot of rain or fog. You're not mm -hmm. wrong. Um, Janine, is there anything you remember that you want to tease? Uh, that rain scene. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a rain scene where, uh, love is communicated. Mm -hmm. Very rainy. Very it's damp. Very, it's very, very damp. damp. It, it's, it, it's like Aaron's crotch. <laughs> Who's Aaron? Sorry. I'm so tired. <laughs> Thanks for all of that. <laughs> Not smelling of IPNA, though. Good, good. I'm really glad for you. Um, no, the, I was saying the, that PP. Yes. My. Oh, my. <laughs> my PP smells like <laughs> IPNA right now. NA. Um, oh, oh let's boy. stop. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to tease, Janine? No. All right. In that case, uh, we want to thank everybody. For listening, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast. You can find us on Instagram, also at podlandercast. And you can find us on Patreon, where you can support the show, um, watch some Janine's Corners, listen to some bonus episodes, get episodes early, join the Slack. Um, we're testing out some other new perks, so those are coming in the next weeks and months. Um, and uh, it's cool, and we are really grateful because otherwise we couldn't do the show at all because it's expensive. However, uh, in addition to thanking all of our patrons, we especially want to thank, oh boy, the following folks. <clears throat> you got this. Dun, 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 I'm so tired. Dun, dun. All right. Bree Lee. <laughs> Mallory Smith. <laughs> I was going to say, that's it. Wow. We're going to take this nice and slow. We're going to get to the hour mark. Good. Cat's Paw 156. <laughs> Maddie Perkins. <laughs> okay, not really. Um, I did think that would be funny, though, and I was right. Here we go. Bree Lee, <laughs> Mallory Smith, Catspaw156, Maddie Perkins, Snazzy Knock, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Madison Johnson, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Ashley Tikas, and Kristen Freckled Fury. 
Laura Calm, Amelia Bazell, Liz Ann Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Chrissy Shively, Claire Feeney, Kayla Reagan, Rochelle Lefevre, Heather Robbins, Jerry Hurdle, Brittany Holbert, Emily Carlson, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Steph Peterson, Kelly Mazzella, Chantel Soldiers, Mary the Falling Statue, Tara Lucino, Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jenna Bukowski, and Gibson Ruth McCormick. Oh, I'm ashamed. Katie Kirster, Karen Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Dr. J, Jen Leonard, Drunklin, Kelly Bodden, Amanda Newton, and Kiki the wise uh thank you so much for your support and thank you to you dear friend for listening we will be back next week with the first of our 11 dezillion episodes on joe Wright's pride and prejudice bye bye, bye.